We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Mandak, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State Athletics. Welcome into another Three Maw Pod. No John today, but in his place, we have a special guest for all of you as we're joined by ESPN NFL Draft Insider and Analyst Matt Miller. Uh, before we dive in, as always, we want to thank our friends at 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery for their support. Make sure you stock up on some 360 Vodka or Ben Holiday Bottled and Von Bourbon as you get ready for your Sugar Bowl watch party or New Year's Eve celebrations. Matt, Thank you so much for joining us. It's a great time to have you on as K-State has several guys in decision-making mode right now regarding their NFL future. And we wanted to get your thoughts on some of K-State's potential pros, as well as the talent K-State might be up against in Bama in the Sugar Bowl. But first, maybe you you tweeted in early June, Matt, and uh, I wanted to quote this because you look pretty smart with this, that you tweeted, and I quote, looking at the Kansas State 2023 draft prospects, they might be a handful in the Big 12 this year, end quote. And you certainly proved to be correct as the Cats are Big 12 <laughs> champs. So yeah. maybe let's just got start lucky there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, we got lucky, too. It was a bit of a roller coaster ride of a season. We all had K-State making the Big 12 championship. But, uh, you know, after that two-lane loss, uh, I don't know if any of us felt the same there. So we got fortunate as well. Uh, but maybe to start off at a high level, you know, looking at that, did, did any of the – prospects for K-State draft prospects uh, you were looking at before the season help improve their stock this year? Did they they do kind of what you expected? I think honestly kind of what I expected. And that might be a case of maybe I overrated guys a little bit headed into the season. You know, players like Felix at defensive end or Deuce Vaughn at running back who are, you know, were hugely impactful this year. I think, you know, could probably say team MVP is on their respective sides of the ball. So I would say that it's a well-coached team. That was one of the reasons I was really optimistic about it. And I think in the Big 12, as we saw this year, sometimes that matters more than how many four or five stars you have. It's like, how well-coached are you? Are you going to limit mistakes? This is an offense that doesn't really turn the ball over a lot. And I, it, it, to me, felt like they were set up to, you know, be able to rush the quarterback. They were able to, you know, set the edge in this, you know, kind of outside run game that you see a lot of in the Big 12. So um, I, I think, you know, again, I never would have, you know, thought they were going to be big 12 champs. I thought they were going to be, you know, a team that was, was really tough this year. Um, so they, they definitely outplayed my expectations as well, but there's, you know, there's a, a definitely a handful of players that are draft eligible that, that made a big difference this year. What, what do you make of Felix and Yudika Uzama? I think you, before the season, you thought he was maybe a top five, top six defensive end. What, what do you yeah. make of the way he played this year? I know he's big 12 defensive player of the year, eight and a half sacks. He's played mm-hmm. banged up much of the year as well, but but right. what do you look at his draft outlook and his future and, and maybe what decision he should make versus coming back or going pro? Yeah, I will say it's, it's become a deep defensive end class. So I think where maybe over the summer, a lot of people thought this could be a late first round player. Probably now it's more like second round, even maybe even early third, just because of the depth of defensive end is pushed 
him down as other guys come up. And as you mentioned, playing banged up this year, you love that as a, a college football fan. Sometimes it, it can't affect the guy's stock. We'll see when we get into true draft season, it, you know, how the medical shake out. Um, once I have like folks like myself, we have more time to actually watch every snap a player plays that that definitely impacts grades as well. But uh, I do think, you know, he's a starting defensive end candidate in the NFL. Um, I'm excited to see if he does come out, what his testing measurables look like, because for defensive ends, so much that matters so much, you know, of, okay, you had production in college, the height, length, speed, weight, those are all there, but you know, what does the agility look like? It's hugely important. You know, if I could only have one number for defensive end, I would want another three cone time to show that short air quickness, body control, balance, things like that really matter. So um, all that said, I, you know, there are times I'm asked to consult with players and I try to do a deep dive into if they should come out, if they should not. That that whole game has changed because of NIL, where you might be able to go back to a Kansas State for another year and make a considerable amount of money. Not as much as you could as a rookie in the NFL, but if you can make a considerable amount in a final season at K-State and better your draft stock, um, that, that's a great situation for a player that didn't exist a couple of years ago. So um, I would say right now, if I was asked to you know consult and give a grade, it would be round two with the you know the potential to to rise a little and maybe to drop a little. But uh, you know he's certainly someone I think we'll see start in the NFL for a long time. No, it's tougher because they all play different positions, but they kind of got the big three there between Deuce, Felix, and Cooper BB. In your mind, who's probably the most attractive NFL prospect between the three? Is it Felix? I think it is Felix. Number one, it's like. The position he plays there's a premium you know i think you could argue that defensive end is the second most important position of football right now i mean maybe it's left tackle maybe it's it's corner it's probably defensive end for most teams if you're building that's where you want to start quarterback and then defensive end um, i also think you know the track record of production is there you know the athleticism on tape looks to be really good so he does he definitely checks a lot of boxes but you know deuce is fantastic there's gonna be a lot of questions about size when it comes to him and does that size limit him? You know, is he going to be a, a three down player or is he just a third down player? Is he just a scat back, you know? Um, and then with Cooper Beebe, I mean, what phenomenal year he had. And I think, you know, probably you, you asked originally if anyone helped himself, I would say he probably helped himself the most out of any K-State player this year in terms of a boost in their draft stock. Is it kind of with Beebe, is it the fact that he's played tackle now he's also played guard he can probably be a center if he wanted to in the nfl that versatility oh yeah i mean absolutely like you guys you know you're you're close to the kansas city chiefs and we've seen someone you know like andrew wiley have so much value because he can do a little bit of everything you know and i think when you're not a starter that's great because you know it's, it's not madden unfortunately where you can carry two or three of every position like you you kind of need a guy that could do multiple things on the offensive line and the pros and so for Cooper Beebe, that, that adds value. And it's similar to where, like with Deuce Vaughn, where, okay, if you're not a number one running back, if you're not a Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor, can you play special teams? And, you know, we see that with the Chiefs with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Okay, well, you're not a special teams contributor, so how do you fit in when we're building out a roster? So I think for those players both, that versatility is, is huge because when you have, you know, Cooper who can play, like you said, two, probably three positions, I mean, that's – that's a gold mine for a general manager to say, okay, well, we only have to pay one guy and he could be a backup at two spots. And we feel really comfortable with that. Uh, that's, that's definitely, you know, it doesn't take you from being a day three pick to a day two pick, but it's some, something that will make you more valuable, you know, as a fourth round pick, it makes you more valuable when you start to build out a roster and figure out, all right, we only have so much money to go around. And now we can have, you know, a young player not making a ton who can be a core backup. I think that's, that's really important. It really reminds me of actually another former K-State offensive lineman and Cody Whitehair now with the uh, the Chicago Bears, just with all his versatility. Whitehair played tackle, guard, and a little bit of center at Kansas State. But where would you have BB slotted in the draft right now, Matt? Is he a day two or day three pick in all likelihood? Yeah, for me, he'd probably be an early day three pick. So you're thinking like early round four. Um, again, some of it's going to depend on what we see, you know, uh, if he's everything got messed up on the classes. So if he's senior bowl eligible, if he has graduated, that's one of the keys or shrine bowl eligible. And then what would happen at the NFL combine? I think the tape is probably early day three, but uh, the versatility could be huge. I personally have ranked him a guard. I, I think that was a fantastic move for him to get inside and show at his size, his agility is really, really attractive. Um, and, and what he's able to do in the run game, getting to the second level. Um, so I would think, you know, if you're, if you're finding him around four, 
for an offensive guard, that's that's still a pretty high pick. We don't see a lot of guards go early in the draft, and and to me, that signals a player that you think can be a starter. You, we talked about Deuce, uh, D.Y. brought him up, and you talked about him some. That Right now, that sounds like a decision he's back and forth on, whether he returns to college, goes pro. And as you yeah. mentioned, NIL, huge factor as well in all of this. But uh, what, where do, what do you put Deuce's draft prospects at? Is he a day three guy? Is he a, a, His size isn't going to change, which I assume is always exactly. going to be the biggest knock on him. So, you know, do you think he goes pro in terms of your mind? Should he go pro? And do you think he's like a fifth, sixth round type guy? So what I've always told, uh, you know, families of running backs or agents that talk to me, things like that is you shouldn't take free carries at running back when you don't have to. And so normally you would tell a guy, if you are going to get drafted, you, you should probably go, right? Especially if you're going to be drafted in the first three or four rounds. I have Deuce right now as like a mid-day three pick. So round five, round six, you mentioned it, Cole, perfectly. He's not going to get bigger. He's not going to get taller, right? He's, he's probably done growing at this point. So that is going to be the biggest knock, you know, it's just, we, we don't see a lot of running backs at five foot six and, and you know, he we will see if he's actually five, six once he gets you know officially measured or not. Um, it's, it's rare, but I do think what makes do such an interesting conversation point is he has all the skills to play on Sunday. I mean, you look at what Jarek McKinnon is doing. You look at, you know, guys who've had a lot of success. I mean, Darren Sproles, uh, you know, another, you know, very famous shorter running back who had a ton of success in the NFL. So there's, there's definitely, you can look and say, okay, there's comparables of someone can have success. He's great in the open field. He's a really good receiver. Um, it, obviously incredibly productive. You just, you do worry about the, is the size going to limit his usage to where if he's only a, you know, a third down back, if he's, you know, can he hold up and pass pro at his size because you have to be able to. So that there are a lot of questions that his size bring to the table. Um, I, I think again, with NIL, I'm not sure what K-State's doing in terms of, of payouts for players, but um, I, I would think that he would be probably close to making a, a rookie salary and, you know, becoming a legend in Manhattan, Kansas, and also having the opportunity to, to maybe boost his stock a little bit. You know, I remember when Nick Chubb went back to Georgia, we all thought he was crazy. It was like, what? You're going to be a third round pick. Why would you go get hit in the SEC for free? And it, he helped himself tremendously. And he also improved his game. He became a better receiver, a better blocker, and it's helped him become one of the best running backs in the NFL. So sometimes it's not just about the money either. It's about can I become a better player in college without the pressure of the NFL. Another discussion point is the opt-outs, or in this game, the Sugar Bowl, the lack thereof at this point, right? Uh, yeah. Kansas State doesn't have any, doesn't have any either. Um, just with the opponent being Alabama and the opportunity in front of them, how much can some of these guys for Kansas State actually elevate their stock just based on this one game yeah you know there are split decisions or opinions excuse me around the nfl scouting community of does it help you you know a marquee matchup i i actually think it does and the reason being is because you might be a guy that you know is a starter at k-state but we haven't talked about a lot you know it might be a if julius brents picks off bryce young three times it's gonna help right and it's, it's gonna help because you're gonna hey, wait, maybe this guy wasn't on our radar, you know, and now we're doing a deeper dive and, and looking at him more closely. And it so I think it can help players that are maybe lower rated or unrated guys at this point to, to get on the radar a little bit and to build some momentum. So I think that that can definitely help. Like you said, we're, we're not expecting opt-outs. Bryce Young's going to play. Will Anderson's going to play. This is a very different Alabama team. If you have viewers that are, are Big 12 only, this is not – last year's Alabama team at wide receiver. They don't have one player that is draftable right now. Uh, their offensive line is the worst it's been in a long time. Uh, the run game is is good, but it's a different run game. It's not a power run game. Jamar Gibbs is a very good receiver out of the backfield. He's very fast. So this is a really different Alabama team that, I mean, obviously, you know, they lost two games this year. Um, it's, they're not, they're not the dominant force that they were even a year ago or, or certainly two years ago. And what do you make of Bryce Young and Will Anderson actually deciding to play in this game? I mean, there's probably great financial risk in doing so, although it sounds like Alabama might be mitigating that somewhat. Yeah, I, definitely. You know, there's insurance policies. There's ways around it. Um, I, you know, I go back to watching Jalen Smith at Notre Dame uh, take a hit out of bounds, and I almost, I almost cried watching it because he was my number one rated player in the draft at that point. And it, you know, obviously he fell to the second round. It's, it's impacted his NFL career quite a bit but 
I think with Bryce and Will, there's a genuine love and respect for Coach Nick Saban. There's a genuine love for the University of Alabama and the opportunities they've had there. You know, I, I think back to last year when they lost um, and Nick Saban had them stay at the press conference and talk about what great leaders they were and how important they were to him and to the university and to the program. It's just, I, I feel like it's just different with those two. Like there's a, there's a relationship with, with both of them, with the university and the program and the coach that you don't see with Nick Saban a whole lot. And so I, I think it probably means a lot to them to, to win this game for him and, you know, to secure, you know, more of his legacy, but also, you know, their own to, to have control over their final game. I think it's important. Um, you do worry about injury. Absolutely. But I think you, you can get hurt training. We, we see it every draft cycle guys get hurt, you know, training for the combine. So I, I think as an athlete, as a competitor, it's hopefully not something they're thinking about and, and they're able to just enjoy one last game. Is there anybody on the defensive side of the ball, Matt, outside of Anderson, that is a, you know, significant draft prospect, maybe a day one or day two guy? Yeah, definitely. I think Brian Branch at safety is a, a day one player. He's, you know, a versatile matchup type guy. He's going to play in the slot. He's going to play, you know, on the outside, he's going to play single high safety. I and mean, they move him all over the place, which speaks to, you know, his ability for Nick Saban to trust him. Uh, uh, Henry Toto, the middle linebacker, is definitely draftable, probably probably round two, maybe round three. He's a little bit smaller for an inside linebacker. Um, Jordan Battle, who another guy that probably could have came out last year, decided to go back to school. Uh, he's more of a strong safety uh, he's absolutely in the mix. And then Eli Ricks, who transferred from LSU, where he was an All-American, was suspended to start the year. Um, he has gotten back in Nick Saban's good graces, and he's playing lights out ball. So the defense is still it's still an Alabama defense. They're still really good. And, and Dallas Turner, their other pass rusher, is not draft eligible, but will probably be a first-round prospect once he is. Uh, they're, they're loaded on defense, and that's, I think, you know, where you have worries as a K-State fan is how do you, how do you move the ball on this defense. Yep. No, I appreciate that. That's that's great perspective, Matt. I know you got to run soon, so I just want to ask you maybe a couple questions on the Big 12. We know it's been well noted over the last couple of years that the Big 12 struggled in the draft, hasn't had many first-round picks. Do you see that changing this year? I know Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech defensive end, B. John Robinson, some yeah. others. What, what do you view of the Big 12 prospects in this year's draft? Yeah, it's better. It's certainly better. Uh, Bijan Robinson announced on Monday he's declaring for the draft. He will be a first-round pick. Like that's you could pretty much write that one in stone. Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech, will be a first-round pick. Maybe even a, they they could both go in the top ten guys, and I wouldn't be surprised. I think they're both just that that good a player. Um, other than that, I think there is. I'm, I'm scrolling my list right here. There's a drop off from there. Um, Siaki Aika from Baylor and Felix uh, there at K State are probably the next two guys in the mix of. And, and with Ika, it's so scheme dependent as a nose tackle where he's going to get drafted. But if they were both selected late first round, I don't think it would be a surprise, but uh, probably more round two. But, you know, with Oklahoma being down, with Texas continuing to uh, underachieve, I think that, you know, that you look at the Big 12 and it's it's more Baylor. It's more Texas Tech. It's more K-State uh, putting players into the NFL now. What, what about your thoughts on Duggan? Uh, I was just going to – Max Duggan announced he's yeah. going pro. Uh, I saw you tweeted about it last night. But, but what do you make of him and his draft prospects? Yeah, guys, I mean, like I tweeted, you always respect the player's decision because we're not – we don't know their circumstances, right? So, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's, that's totally fine. Respect it. I was surprised. I think he's a late-round prospect, you know, round seven to UDFA-type player. I mean, he's a hell of a football player had a fantastic year. He just doesn't really meet what the NFL wants, you know, in terms of arm threshold, uh, I think passing mechanics, he, he would have to rework a lot of things to become like competent at the pro level. It's not to say he can't do it. Um, I'm excited to see him at the senior bowl next month. I, I saw he accepted an invite there, but um, I was surprised. I thought he probably could have made a, a decent amount of money and returning as a Heisman finalist, you know, to have that year, maybe another year to prove yourself as a passer uh, to further develop your game. I really, I really thought that could have benefited him. That would have been my advice of, hey, they're they're probably going to make it worth your while to go back to TCU, and then you can continue to develop there. Quentin Johnston, their stud receiver, another player we should have mentioned from the Big Twelve, is going to get drafted very early. And Kendra Miller, the running back, who could also be one of the top five running backs drafted, um, they're probably both gone. And uh, so you can understand, like he might not want to break in a new star receiver and a new running back, um, but. You know, we'll see what happens. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting. Yep, for sure. 
Well, Matt, hey, we really appreciate your time. Uh, can you tell K-State fans, for our listeners, uh, how they can find your work, find you on Twitter, find you on ESPN? Yeah, so ESPN.com, obviously. Uh, I, I usually write one to two articles a week. Right now I'm doing a piece on the top 25 players in the college football playoffs. So it gives you a little bit of a deep dive. Um, we're starting to get into a lot of player rankings, team needs, mock drafts. And then, you know, once January rolls around, you'll unfortunately be able to watch me on TV a couple times a week talking about the draft on usually on GitHub, uh, SportsCenter, and NFL Live. All right. Well, hey, Matt, really appreciate it. Uh, so grateful for your time and perspective on this and uh, glad we could make this work. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you, Matt. We'll go to break and then uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit uh, K-State basketball and uh, K-State football recruiting signing day coming up here in just a couple days on December 21st. And we'll get Derek's thoughts uh, heading into signing day before our signing day show. So we'll go to break now and we'll come back to talk a little more K-State. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, we're back. Uh, Derek and I with you. John wasn't able to make it today, but uh, we wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about National Signing Day. We're going to have a, a signing day show or two uh, later this week that we'll unveil. Really looking forward to that. It's always one of the more exciting times of the year. And obviously, we've got one of the best in the business here. And Derek that uh, covers Kansas State and, and has his fingerprints all over uh, K-State recruiting. And so, Derek, I don't know, just came off another recruiting weekend. Dead period now has started. Um, so guys that were making visits, phone calls to recruits, et cetera, that's no longer prohibited for the next few weeks. Uh, what's the latest uh, when it comes to K-State recruiting? Yeah, most of it's really centered on the transfer portal at the moment, to be quite honest. And even though there isn't a lot of spots available for some of those transfers, because you got to think about it, some of these seniors are going to come back to Kansas State for a super senior year. That's what it sounded like. And we'll touch on that probably in the future when those um, choices become a little bit more solidified because they can still be reversed and there's still a game left. So there's a long way to go there. And, and I mean, you guys have kind of seen the news at this point, too. Not a whole lot of transfer portal entries on the side of Kansas State. And from a conversation that I, that I had on Sunday night, I think there will be, you know, probably more than what's already happened. But they're not expecting a bunch more. This is, uh, I know Cole's touched on it. Sometimes culture can kind of create this kind of stability within a roster that you don't necessarily see across college football. It's pretty rare. But uh, that's the case at Kansas State right now. So a very healthy situation um, all the way around. So there's not a ton of spots available. Um, just on the visit weekend itself, and, you know, they had Andrew Metzger, the tight end from the Denver area, and um, he'll choose between Kansas State and Nebraska. 
Um, Terry Kirksey, a guy that, you know, played linebacker for Hutchinson Community College on Wednesday night's uh, junior college national title game. I think he played injured. He got hurt on the third play of the game. It sounded like a groin issue that uh, really limited him the rest of that contest. But I think uh, that one's down to Kansas State, Kansas, and Indiana. Just based on the visits that were at play there, you got to like where K-State is positioned. Um, what they just, you know, added a transfer in North Dakota State defensive back Marcus Seigel. You would think just because of his experience playing corner in Fargo, um, much like Josh Hayes. Remember, I mean, Josh Hayes played safety at Kansas State, but he was a corner in Fargo as well. So you got to think maybe those two things align and, and he plays that type of position at Kansas State. Uh, just trying to think across. They're still looking for a transfer running back. I think they're also waiting and kind of, for confirmation on what Deuce Vaughn will decide to do. Obviously, we just touched on that with a little bit of the draft process there. So I think that's going to kind of dictate the direction, but they did offer North Carolina A&T running back, probably Butcher's name, Baishel Tutin, I want to say. So uh, I think he's on the radar. They still would like to get a nose guard in the transfer portal, I believe. I believe West Virginia's Jordan Jefferson would make a lot of sense. Now, that is a premium position when it comes to the transfer portal, the nose guard. Um, anybody that sees a nose guard with the proven production of Jordan Jefferson had in Morgantown, they're probably going to pounce on him. So it wouldn't be shocking to know that he has like 30 power five schools beating down his door. Um, the inroads that K-State would have is that they recruited him out of high school and became second to the Mountaineers. So you would hope maybe that past experience helps on that front. Um, still waiting the decision of Trey Spivey, a receiver. I think that'll be a signing day choice between Kansas State Oklahoma State and Arizona. I like where K-State's at. Um, Asa Nusso, linebacker high schooler that they basically chased for three years, it feels like. I think that's going to come down to Kansas State, Minnesota, and Kentucky. Um, holding on to commits is kind of a task right now, too. You got guys, you got programs, you know, poking around. Devin Voss, Jordan Allen, Will Lee, Cameron Salas, Ryan Davis, uh, Joe Jackson. So I, I think playing defense is as much of playing offense at this point if you're K-State. Yeah, it certainly adds uh, to the stress of recruiting when, but but it's all obviously a good sign, right? That K-State has a lot of guys that are being chased by a lot of major power five programs. And that comes with the territory. You, you up your recruiting, you're going to get other programs trying to chase them here at the end and try to get some flips. But uh, certainly sounds like K-State's doing a great job of of holding on to them. Hopefully there's no negative signing day surprises that we find out about. The only signing day surprises that I like are the surprises that are the fun ones uh, that go in K-State's favor. So hopefully we see maybe one or two of those, but but no negative ones of any flips at the last second because, yeah, you touched on it, D.Y. Will Lee played in the JUCO national title game or Iowa Western against Hutch where Terry, Terry Kirksey of Hutch also played another guy K-State's chasing. Uh, but Will Lee, I mean, he – he covered Malik Benson most of that game, who's the number one junior college player in the country, committed to Alabama, uh, probably Alabama's best wide receiver commit, and a guy that they view as a potential first-round pick um, down the road. And, you know, from Lansing, Kansas, actually, and William Lee at 6'3", another big corner. We've talked about him on the show before, but he he really shut Benson down. So it, it sounds like that drew the eyes of a lot of Power 5 programs and uh, got their attention. Yeah, Alabama notably too. I think they're involved on that, or at least tried to become involved on that. Willie's, I mean, if you look at his size, just what he's able to do from a skill set standpoint, you would you would think he would be the ideal replacement, at least at this point, for someone like Julius Brents, where he, you know, because we're expecting Brents obviously to leave early and not take a super senior year. He's already accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl, which kind of reveals what his uh, intentions are at this point. They got a handful of guys that can really step in and play a cornerback right now, just not Will Lee. So it'll be interesting to see that competition in the offseason. Yeah, certainly like what I saw from Lee uh, and drawing the attention of Alabama. The, the good news is he didn't take a visit, it sounds like, anywhere in official visit. So it looks like based on his Twitter, too, he's pretty locked in on K-State. Uh, you mentioned Seigel committing transfer from North Dakota State and then Thomas Harper uh, transfer safety from Oklahoma State was on campus this weekend as well, I believe. And you mentioned Josh Hayes, D.Y. He's another guy with that versatility uh, that has played corner at Oklahoma State and also played safety. So uh, if you read about Oklahoma State, a lot of their fans will say their defense started to head south when when Harper got hurt. He started the first seven games this year. Uh, then he got banged up, didn't play the rest of the season. And uh, certainly a guy that it sounds like the Cowboys are going to miss. Hopefully K-State uh, 
can land him. I know that decision is, is still waiting as well as we're recording this on Monday. So uh, anyone else, D.Y., that we're, we're missing that we need to hit on from a recruiting standpoint? Well, I think we already touched on it, but obviously Lane and Keegan Johnson still a big, big piece yeah. of the puzzle that they've already they've already added at wide receiver. That's kind of the position that they had to address, and they already have Harper. It sounds like you know I wouldn't be surprised that that process dips into January a little bit. I think he's going to these schools. It sounds like um, just from based off of what I've heard. Uh, you know, like I said, a conversation I had Sunday. Um, Sunday evening leads me to believe that the two positions they feel like they definitely need to address, or maybe this is an insight into what Deuce Vaughn will do, or it's just, just in case, is running back and nose guard. Those are two spots that they'd like to have some clarity on in the near future. Oh. All right. Well, hey, like we mentioned, we'll have a uh, we'll have a signing day show or two potentially we're trying to see if we can get a guest lined up as well uh, for later this week national signing day is december 21st that's wednesday of this week uh, not sure if we'll record one for wednesday or thursday or two, both days we'll see uh, but it's certainly going to be an exciting time we'll have derek uh on who's the best in the business to this to to break things down and if we'll we'll let you know if we have any surprises and and maybe if we do have a surprise or two we'll do an extra show uh, for that so uh, that covers football recruiting. We'll take one more break, uh, and then we'll come back, and we're just going to touch on a little K-State basketball. The Wildcats got a big win over Nebraska on Saturday at T-Mobile Center downtown Kansas City. So let's talk a little K-State hoops when we come back from break. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. All right, we're back from break. Derek, K State beats Nebraska 71 to 56 on Saturday at T Mobile Center. You know, it's, you know, I, I thought it was maybe one of K State's most complete performances this season. They, uh, outside of a, a five minute stretch late in the second half where Nebraska was able to cut it to nine, K State really dominated the Cornhuskers. And that's a Nebraska team that, you know, is better than their six and six record now shows that, you know, we mentioned they won at Creighton. We know Creighton's scuffling, but Creighton's largely scuffling because Ryan Kalbrenner, the, the Big East defensive player of the year, has missed four games due to sickness. And uh, they came back from Maui and has just really struggled. But that's a talented Creighton team. Nebraska beat them when they were still at full strength. Took Purdue, which uh, I've seen some people think is the best team in America right now, the way they're playing. Took Purdue to overtime in Lincoln just 10 days ago. Uh, so Kansas State dominates the Huskers. Great crowd. Um, what what were your thoughts on the the performance, D.Y.? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way, that that was probably one of their best performances start to finish. I know I think Jerome Tang said the same thing. I think it's also two straight games, which gives me a little, you know, I think is a it's a good thing. Two straight games where I thought they played with consistent effort and energy from start to finish too. There's been laws even in all the wins, I think, here and there just of where it looks like they get a little bit distracted and almost bored at times, right? Um, I think that can probably come with the schedule that they've uh, completed. So I just the effort and energy playing with you know a little bit more life uh, for a full 40 minutes. I think we've seen that two straight games. I'm not sure we've seen that in two straight games this year before that. So that to me, that's a positive sign. I also I tend to think the same thing. I know people think. They look at the name in the front of the jersey and be like, oh, Nebraska sucks. Or they look at their 6-6 six and six record and say, oh, Nebraska sucks. I don't think Kansas State's going to get enough credit for this win. I think you can make an argument that this the, the win over Nebraska is more impressive than the win over LSU. And I think people would probably scoff at that blindly. But uh, especially with just the way that the LSU game unfolded, I think there was probably more mental toughness uh, that was required in that win over the uh, Tigers and the Cayman Islands. But the more impressive win to me was the win over the Huskers, and it's probably not close. You kind of listed off the accolades uh, of Nebraska this year, despite their six and six record. I mean, they played a really battle-tested schedule too. I mean, 
they didn't just beat Creighton. They've also they blew the doors off of Florida State, blew the doors off of Boston College. Quite frankly, they've played, you know, probably a more challenging schedule pretty easily than Kansas State. At least they've yeah. they've had a lot of high major competition. So you know, with that schedule, is case if they had Nebraska schedule, is K State ten and one? Probably not. So that kind of tells you what the Huskers have faced this year as well. Um, and regardless of what Creighton's doing now, and you're, you're still being a talented club, and you, and you deserve credit for that. So I, th- I think the winner of the Huskers, Kansas State's probably not going to get enough credit for that like they should, and that's unfortunate because it was a really impressive win. You also have to take into account just how different the Huskers are with Derek Walker versus without Derek Walker. And that kind of tells you where they are at in their trajectory as a program, at least under Fred Hoiberg. I think he's beginning to figure it out a little bit as a head coach there in Lincoln. And it wouldn't surprise me if they had a, you know, I'm not going to say they're an NCAA tournament team. They've never made the NCAA tournament in the program's history. But I imagine they're going to pick up some solid Big Ten wins and at least, you know, give a lot of Big Ten teams fits this year with what they can do. And obviously Derek Walker is a big part of that. And one of the more impressive things Kent State did is they shut down Derek Walker more than anyone has this year. Yeah, they held Walker to one of five shooting. He really wasn't much of a presence at all uh, against Kansas State. And that's a guy that was averaging a near double-double coming into the game. And and another thing to call out, and we mentioned it last week on one of the shows, but Walker also missed the season's first four or five games as well due to injury. So a couple of those losses they had, they, they didn't have arguably their best player, and now they're at full strength. So that certainly plays a factor. Sam Griesel, he's a solid point guard. He's a six foot seven point guard in Marquise Noel did a heck of a job guarding him and in case they rotated different guys on him. But, you know, there was one time where Greasel just tried to back him down and, and Noel forced him into a turnover where he just lost the ball out of bounds. So I thought K-State defended really well. They held Nebraska to 33% shooting from the floor, four of 21 from three. I thought it was an all around really good effort. K-State shot the well, shot the ball well from the perimeter um, early on. I think they finished 10 of 28 from three, but yeah, I think they were seven of 15. Um, after their first 15 attempts and then uh, they made, they had some misses down the stretch, but yeah, I, I just thought it was a complete performance. And I, I thought, you know, obviously Keontae Johnson is a badass. Like everybody knows that now the guy is shooting 60% from the floor and over 50% from three and averaging 18 points and seven rebounds a game. Like he's, he's been there every game. He's been great. He had a double double against Nebraska 23 and 11, but I think one of the biggest storylines from that game, D.Y., and really over the last couple of weeks is the resurgence of Naquan Tomlin uh, really coming on. And Naquan in that game had 15 points, I believe, and seven rebounds. I think he was six of 10 from the floor, hit a couple of huge threes. Really, he hit a huge three coming out of a timeout after the media timeout uh, where K-State Nebraska had just cut this thing. They were on a 10-0 run. They'd cut it to nine. And uh, Tomlin, with the shot clock running down, buries a three to push K-State back out to a 12-point lead. You know, Naquan now over his last four games is averaging 14 points, seven and a half rebounds on 50% shooting and 45% from three. So I think that's a, that's a big factor, obviously. He's kind of that third guy that K-State needs to be able to become more consistent. And we talked about there's going to be some ups and downs with him, some flashes, but hopefully we're seeing a little more consistency starting to come from him. And I think one of the things that really impressed me the most DY was just how physical he played and how tough he played against Nebraska. There were a couple times he got, got the ball down in the post and really muscled up and got the ball in. Yeah. He finishing through contact, really shooting from the outside with confidence much earlier in his, I guess, development track than I would have anticipated. And just collectively, I think it was just a great sign for me to see this team handle Nebraska the way they did. I mean, largely they were up by 15 to 18 points throughout the contest. And quite honestly, Nebraska is built almost just like the Butler team that had their way with K-State. So just to see the, I I think a giant learning curve and a, you know, a huge improvement just in that small window of play of games uh, from one game to the other is I think is a bright spot for Kansas State because I mean, Butler, Manny Bates, Nebraska, Derek Walker, shooters around. It's a very similar team. Yep, completely agree. And uh, I was at the game. It was a great atmosphere, great crowd. Nebraska had a decent amount of fans there as well, but uh, it was a lot of fun. We took Brody down to the game. My wife and I went, uh, had great seats behind the bench by the tunnel, and just really enjoyed it. Always love those holiday games in Kansas City, especially when you get an opponent that's a high major type opponent on the floor against you as opposition. 
Uh, it was a lot of fun down there, and it was great seeing so many K-Staters make it to the game. Best crowd K-State's played in front of uh, this year, and I think we'll see those crowds continue to increase. This Big 12 play starts on New Year's Eve at home against West Virginia. I'll probably be in attendance for that one. I don't think John's going to get me uh, – get me down to the sugar bowl successfully. So I'll probably be at that uh, basketball game, hopefully in just a great mood uh, after K-State beats Alabama on New Year's Eve. That would that would be delightful, although I don't feel quite as optimistic about it now as Bryce Young and uh, Will Anderson made the surprising decision to play. That Not saying K-State yeah. cannot win the game. Yeah, that'll be a uh, – obviously the challenge is increased by, uh, you know – that change of fate were what we were probably not anticipating. And later that night, West Virginia is top 10 in the net right now. Yeah. that, that That's going to be a huge game because Texas and Baylor on the road back to back right after that game. And you mentioned it, West Virginia is number nine, number nine in the net. They're the second highest ranked big 12 team in the net. That's going to be K-State's probably first opportunity for a quad one win. Um, they, they don't have a quad one win. Now, K-State's 37th in the net right now, which is great. They, anybody would have been surprised with that coming into this. Yeah. But but that can obviously fluctuate still early in the year. And so you, you really need to start to stack up some quad one wins because that's going to be the big knock on Selection Sunday if you don't have more than five quad ones. Yeah, you typically you need to get to about six or seven, um, especially with K-State's strength of schedule, which I think is close to 100 or over it. They might need an extra one that then maybe another team might not need that they're probably up against if they are on the bubble. Hopefully they don't have to worry about being on the bubble, of course. But those things will matter. Uh, West Virginia, is just, I mean, they play great, good basketball. Um, but two best wins, three best wins for Kansas State are LSU, Nebraska, Nevada. None of them are quad one. LSU is probably not going to be a quad one despite being 10-1 and one, unless they really – have a good start to the SEC play, knock off some, you know, considerable teams. They're going to have plenty of opportunity as well, to be honest, though. They play Alabama, they play Arkansas, they play Kentucky, so Tennessee. Uh, that That's a tough, that's a tougher league than it has been in the past, and the SEC has kind of turned it around from a basketball standpoint. LSU will have a lot of chances. You're going to have to be LSU's biggest fan probably moving forward. Nevada's hunt lingering right there at number 55, so it'll be interesting to see what they do net wise from here on out, because that's probably the closest to a quad one win that Kansas State has right now. Yeah, and if anyone's not familiar, the the quad metrics quad one is uh, on your home floor one through thirty in the net rankings, neutral floor one through fifty. So Nevada sitting at fifty five uh, is just outside that. Now they're in the Mountain West Conference, which has been more respectable. San Diego State obviously has been a great program out there, uh, as well as some other programs. So Root for Nevada, root for LSU. Florida right now is 51 in the net. K-State's going to play them on January 28th as part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Florida could get in there as well. It's at home, though, yeah. So you are you need Florida to get in the top 30, so they're going to have to go on a surge through SEC play. And, you know, we mentioned K-State would just, not a quad one win yet, but just like D.Y. was saying, K-State's going to have plenty of opportunities in Big 12 play. That's that's kind of the the benefit and the negative at the same time of playing in this conference because it's the best conference in America. It's so hard. It's a grind to get through, but you also have a lot of chances to stack quality wins. So K-State's going to have plenty of opportunities to do so. Uh, they've certainly done, I think, what anyone could have hoped for in the non-con uh, to get to 10-1, and one, assuming they take care of Radford. Go ahead, D.Y. In terms of quad, in terms of quad, those quad one opportunities, they are still going to be there um, this year. They definitely are. I'm not saying it won't because just the way the rankings come out, that's going to be what it is. I will say this. I'll be a little bit of a devil devil's advocate. It won't matter when it comes to strength the schedule and quad one wins because those are still going to be present based on what we're seeing for the net already. But I don't know if anyone's really coming out and said this yet, but I think the Big 12 is down this year compared to last year. I really do. Now, I think TCU is starting to pick it up, but I think Oklahoma might be worse. I think Oklahoma State might be worse. I think Texas Tech is certainly worse. Now, Kansas State is better, but just from what Kansas State faced in the Big 12 last year versus this year, I I do think that the Big 12 is weaker this year than it was last season. Not saying Big 12 isn't good. It still is, but I think Baylor is also weaker than they were last year yeah. as well. So, um and I know they won the national championship, but I actually think this year's Kansas team is going to be, end up better than last year's. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you look at it, you're right. Texas Tech has taken a downturn. I mean, they're nowhere near what they've been the last few years. Now they're going to get 
it, it sounds like I'll, I'll butcher his name for dolls. Fardal's AMAC. They're going to get him back, but I don't know if that's a good thing at this point. Yeah, no, it sounds like there's, there's maybe some culture uh, issues within that tech program. Things may be uh, falling apart a little bit. And when you watch them play, I mean, Texas tech has snuck past nickel state and Eastern Washington, each of their last previous two games on their home floor where they were losing at various points in the second half of those games. So Tech is not the same team. TCU looks like they're picking things back up now that they're fully healthy, but they're still down. And yeah, yeah, I think they're going to figure it out. They'll be all right. But what's interesting, you got West Virginia this year. That's oh, go ahead. I was going to say to to go against what I just said. Two teams that are certainly that K State will play that is certainly better than they were last year. West Virginia. Actually, I was going to say Texas, but now there's a lot of uncertainty there. Well, that, that's the thing. Texas looked like uh, they were going to be arguably the best team in the Big 12. They've got a ton of talent, and it looked like it was coming together. Now, a major distraction that certainly impacted their game against Rice that they had to go to overtime with after the Chris Beard stuff. And then they did beat Stanford by 10. Yesterday, Stanford's not good, but we'll see if Texas rebounds. K-State could be catching Texas at a good time uh, in early January. Now, they'll have some time to recalibrate before then, but – uh, that that's just that's a major hurdle and distraction for their players to get through. And you're right, West Virginia is a team that was at the bottom of the conference this last year, and now they've they've really surged up um, with some additions they've made to the roster. So they've kind of replaced some of that. But I, I do think Baylor is down a little bit. They're still a very good team, but when you watch Baylor, it's not quite the same. And I, I think Thamba Thatchua being out has hurt them. They, they don't have much in the post. Thamba is just a defensive guy, really, and they don't have much that scoring in the post. Their issue has been defense. So the Baylor is probably worse. Texas has a huge distraction. Texas Tech is worse. TCU has started out worse, but I think they're going to figure it out like you. I think Oklahoma is just what they were last year, maybe even a little worse. So they yep. haven't really impressed me yet. Oklahoma State, I don't, I don't think that's a tournament team right now. Maybe they are. Maybe they figure it out too. But I just, that's not a team that scares me. If I'm Kansas State, West Virginia is better. Believe it or not, KU, they have a chance to be better. Um, as, as irritating as that may sound, too, right? And then Iowa State's really a team I don't know how to to describe at this point. They, they just play a very unorthodox way in our TJ Otzelberger that I think doesn't look good, but then you go look at their metrics and the record and who they've beaten. It's like, Oh, maybe they're, they are good. I mean, they, but they've beaten two teams. I think they, they beat both Villanova and North Carolina. I think two teams that yep. may not be as good as people thought they would be. Yeah. I mean, I think Iowa state is, is a very similar team to what they really were last year. Like I, I just kind of, you know, they're going to have some games where it's very ugly for them. Like the Iowa game that already happened this year where they went to Iowa and Iowa didn't even have its best player and they got the doors blown off of them. Um, and, and, you know, you're right. I mean, they beat a Villanova team that's been a disaster uh, under their first year head coach with Jay Wright gone. And and then North Carolina had been a disaster. They're, they're just now getting back on track, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. but but yeah. Iowa State yeah. got them early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, North- yeah, it looks like Iowa yeah, State's North- – yeah, go ahead. I uh, say, so yeah, North Carolina maybe starting to figure it out. Iowa State, that win's going to look better than maybe it was at the time. Just some of the stuff with the net, it's like if you get a team at the right time and then they take off later, you just kind of get lucky just because of that. And I, Iowa State will probably be the recipient of that when it comes to North Carolina. But I guess, yeah, taking everything into account where I think Iowa State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State are what we thought they'd be, maybe maybe lesser, I don't know. KU's yeah. pretty good. West Virginia's a lot better. Texas, big distraction. Tech and Baylor have dropped off. All I would say is that what it's still a tough league, and you're going to have to bring it every night if you want to win. Not saying that, but at the same time, what I thought was going to be a completely tough journey for Kansas State, one that might not be doable, I think their path is probably a little bit clearer than I thought it would be before before the season. Yeah, no, they, this certainly can be an NCAA tournament team, which is what we all said in the offseason, especially after they added Keontae Johnson. You know, this is a team that can get to the tournament. I think you and I are in agreement that they, they just need a little more from the bench outside of Desi Sills. And I, I don't know, you know, Bebe getting back healthy, if he can help them, if they can get Ish Masood, you know, Jerome Tang kind of called him out after the Nebraska game in his postgame press oh, conference. You know, he didn't play. I know he'd also been banged up, missed a couple of games before that. Then it played a few minutes, um, I think against Incarnate Word. 
but uh, you know, they certainly seem a little bit frustrated that that with Masood right now, he's an upperclassman and, and they're trying to maybe get him to, to get going uh, because they could certainly use a little bit of a scoring punch off the bench outside of Sills. Yeah. I wonder still have, we'll see what if Ish or Finister are going to be consistently able to do anything, but I imagine at least for the foreseeable future, it feels like that bench is going to be Desi Bebe. It almost sounds like he's going to be able to go against Radford on Wednesday, just before Christmas break. And then, um, then the other guy would be Tyke Green. And, yeah. you know, he's getting consistent minutes because his effort level doesn't really fade, and you you appreciate that. But he has to do more with the minutes that he's getting. Yeah, the, uh, Tyke's a guy that started off well early on, but it, it's been a bit of a struggle um, for the last few weeks for him. And I, maybe just trying to find his role in the system. Hopefully he can figure it out uh, because he's a guy that averaged 14 and 8 at Stony Brook the year before um, has been a guy that's been able to score in his career. And uh, hopefully he can just, he can get K-State six to seven points a game right now. He's averaging around four. Um, you just like to see things pick up a little bit for him. So that's a, that's a big 12 basketball talk. Uh, we're going to have plenty more content about K-State basketball, uh, especially as the season gets going in big 12 play and football season winds down. Uh, but wanted to talk a little bit more about K-State hoops with all of you. Uh, and then, you know, maybe before the West Virginia game, we'll have some sort of preview show. We'll see how crazy it is. D.Y. John, I think, is going to be in uh, New Orleans as well. But, but we'll see what we can string together uh, for some basketball coverage heading into the the New Year's. And uh, appreciate it, D.Y., as always, jumping on. Appreciate Matt Miller uh, for jumping on with us and giving his valuable time to, to talk K-State draft prospects. Hope you all enjoyed that. Um, yeah, he's, he's a great guest and does great work at ESPN. Uh, also want to again, thank our sponsors, Holiday Distillery 360 Vodka. If you're going to have some Bloody Marys, uh, maybe at the 11 a.m. kick for the Sugar Bowl, make sure you get some 360 Vodka. And then uh, maybe in the evening hours of New Year's Eve, have some Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon or 360 Vodka, if that's your taste um, for your New Year's Eve celebration. So, uh, Derek, anything else that you had to add? I think we covered it all, right? Oh, yeah, we we did about yeah. a little bit of everything. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was kind of a, a buffet of different topics here for UK State fans. But we'll have a signing day episode, like I said, hopefully two um, this week. So there's a lot of exciting K-State content coming your way. Sugar Bowl preview, uh, deep dive, like we always do, will be coming your way within the next seven to eight days as well. So thanks again for listening. We appreciate all of you for your support. Thanks for listening to another 3 Maw Pod. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.